Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast where we talk about what's going on in our brains instead of what's happening outside. This week's episode, Scratching the Surface of Anxiety. Hello. Hi. How are you doing today? I am. Is it Friday yet? Um... No, maybe for the people listening at home, it might be Friday, but... um, It's Friday where you are. Congratulations. It is Tuesday where we are. I think for a a podcast where we're going to talk about anxiety, that just really fits right in. Oh, yeah, it really does. That was was a pretty good segue, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's it's been a couple days. So I feel like this is this topic is extremely apropos this week to for our discussion. I think it's something that um hits very hard for both of us. Uh yeah, 100%. Also, I was um I was just at a friend's house watching the first half of Bachelor in Paradise with her because I am trash. And I left and was telling her we were getting I was getting ready to come record this with you and that we were talking about anxiety and we were laughing about the fact that like so like all of our friends are just giant just balls of stress and anxiety. <laughs> like we could talk to pretty much any of our friends about this topic and they would be total experts. <laughs> Just from experience. Um, God, that's really depressing. It kind of is when you really think about it. You're like, oh, man. My husband is not so much, though. I married a very low-stress, low-anxiety guy, so he balances me out. I did as well, actually. So Thank the good Lord for that. We are taking care of ourselves in at least some fashion. <sighs> yes, thank goodness. I'm pretty sure this house would, like, implode if... <laughs> We had two stress balls living in it, two married stress balls. So, Steffi, what is anxiety? I, you know what? We use it's, I feel like it's a buzzword right now, and half the time people don't actually really know what they're talking about. It's like gluten. This was this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Anxiety is the new gluten. So, what is so what is anxiety, Megan? Uh, well, according to the dictionary, at least, it's your body's natural response to stress. But I feel like it's way deeper than that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that it, it's your typical dictionary response. Like, that's technically what it is, but there is there's a whole lot more to it <laughs> to, to be discussed and discovered. Um, I actually looked up some stats today. Um, these are from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. We'll link to this page um, in the show notes. Um, but some of the things that kind of jumped out at me as I was reading some stuff from them, that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., uh, affecting about 18% of the population every year. So that's a significant that that is that's not an insignificant portion of the population and that's just looking at adults that's not looking at um, anyone under the age of 18. Yeah that's a pretty huge number and apparently it is growing more and more every year. Which is depressing. <laughs> um, they also note that it's super treatable but only um, just about 37% of those who are suffering from anxiety disorders actually receive treatment. Um, which 
I'll, I mean, we'll talk here in a minute about like sort of why I took so long to actually seek treatment for my anxiety, but I guess it's not that surprising. I guess a lot of people just sort of think it's in your head. And we have such a stigma against mental illness in general um, in our country and just in our society that I wish that that statistic surprised me, but it really doesn't. Yeah, and I think that actually maybe part of the attributed rise is actually because people are being more open about it than totally. they used to be. Totally. Um, so even if they're not necessarily seeking treatment, people are definitely talking about it more. Right. I think they're just. I think they're definitely more aware of it. Um, these disorders develop um, from a lot of different risk factors. It can be genetic, brain chemistry, personality, life events. So basically, it doesn't really matter what is going on with you, you could be screwed where it comes to anxiety. Sorry, guys. That's just great. (laughs) I'm such an upper. (laughs) Uh, It's also not uncommon for someone with an anxiety disorder disorder to also suffer from depression or vice versa. I know that that's true for both of us. We both struggle with depression in addition to and alongside our anxiety Um, But apparently that is also true for about one half of those people who are diagnosed with depression. They are also diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. So it's not just us, Megan. I guess that makes me feel slightly better. (laughs) I know. Because I was like, we can all suffer together. uh, Right. Uh, And I mean, I guess it also makes sense. A lot of the medications out there tackle both um, together. So that's probably why. Here's, here, Megan, here's, here's my favorite slash least favorite statistic. Are you ready? Are you ready? I, I hope so. I'm sitting down. An- so. Anxiety and depressive disorders are more likely to affect women than men. Of course. Of course they are. I mean, we, you already get the short end of the stick on most other health-related <laughs> items. So why not add this on to our load? That's why we're the, that's why we're the delightful ones in our marriages. <laughs> I mean, and actually, if you think about all of the mental tasks that women have just to begin with, yeah. that really makes a lot of sense because we already have so much more to think about and deal with. That Absolutely. It seems hand, like very makes sense that anxiety would come along with those things. We're just already doing more and having to use a lot more of our mental capacity a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it talks a, it talks a little bit about, um, like, PTSD is more common in women than men, and a lot of that stems from sexual assault and things like that. And we're constantly having to be aware of our surroundings and aware of where we are and are we walking to our car when it's dark and all of these things that men don't have to think about along with often taking care of a lot of the things at home. I mean, a lot, I have a wonderful husband who is an excellent life partner and we he, you know, shoulders a lot of that burden with me. Um, and I know that you do as well, but you know, there's still a lot of things that we have a tendency to take on for ourselves even if our husbands aren't asking us to and so I mean, it makes sense, but it's also kind of a kind of a bummer. <laughs> It's especially a bummer because uh, I actually just watched a recent episode of Last Week Tonight, um, mm-hmm. and he talked about healthcare in, in the United States and about how uh, women just don't get the same kind of healthcare, Ugh. and 
it just makes problems like this a whole lot worse to deal with. Yeah, I was listening to, I think it was Armchair Expert, and uh, it was one of the experts on expert um, episodes, and it was a doctor, and he was talking about one of the biggest, like they were talking about one of the biggest challenges for women is just finding a doctor who believes you. Absolutely. And who listens to you. Like it doesn't, not even related to to fertility or um, anything related to that, just in general, your health, your mental health, autoimmune diseases, anything, finding a, a doctor who will believe you when you are a woman is a lot harder than it is when you're a dude. Absolutely. So that's just some of the stuff that I found. I know that you had done a little bit of digging as well. Yeah, I found this really great article um, on the New Republic, uh, and it was talking about how anxiety, even though a lot of people have it, it's really hard to for people to kind of uh, you know diagnose and cope with because it's self-contradictory by on its own even the the psychological manual the dsm it defines it really oddly (laughs) yeah and so anxiety can either give you restlessness or can give you fatigue it gives you lapsed comfort comprehend concentration that fitted right there (laughs) um but also tension because of these things. And so your mind and body is just confused. Yeah. And you just don't know what to do about it. And that makes you not able to sleep. It makes you cranky all the time. Yeah. It just compounds upon everything else in your life. I had, you know, I hadn't actually really thought too deeply on that, but you're right. Like the symptoms are like you can be both incredibly tired and also not able to fall asleep because your brain just won't shut off and that it is super contradictory and does make you feel like you're a little loony. Yes. Like what is wrong with me? Especially if you, you know, it's uh, because anxiety can make you so exhausted mm-hmm. and not being able to fall asleep is just kind of like the terrible flavored cherry on top of all of it. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It really is. So I I don't know when you realized that you had an issue with anxiety and that this isn't a normal thing. Um, it, for me, was way later than you would think if you knew me in real life and knew what <laughs> a ball of tension I tend to be. It. I just thought for really, I was a grown girl. I was a grown ass adult when I realized I actually had like an anxiety problem. I just always thought it was normal. I just thought you were just, you just worked on stress and you just, when things were stressful that you just, that's just how I functioned under pressure and that that was a totally normal thing. And it wasn't actually for me until after my mom died a couple of years ago, that it got really bad for me. And I started to realize that not not only do I have some anxiety issues, but it's to a point that is not healthy and is not normal. But it took a really long time for me. I think that part of it is actually pretty normal for a lot of people. I don't think most people realize at a young age that they're having a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just that the, you know, the mental health stigma that the country has, but it's also 
something that you, you might think, you know, you're just not focusing hard enough. You're just not trying hard enough. Um, there's not a lot for kids especially to deal with. And yeah. I think there is, there's more now. But as when I was a kid, there was, you know, no one who would ever talk about anything like this. Nobody even had like ADHD when I was a kid. Right. Um, so I feel coming into it as an adult after you've, you know, you've gone through college and you're being your own true self in a way, that is really the best time to kind of discover that. Maybe not the best time in terms of treatment, yeah. but it's definitely more, you're more in tune with who you are as a person in general. Um, I knew that I had depression problems, you know, in college but I never really stopped to consider the anxiety aspects of it until I was probably, I mean, much older. So uh, possibly after I had had at least one of my children. Yeah. I don't have an exact date on it, but it was definitely later than ideal. Yeah. But it's better late than never. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it, and I also didn't realize I actually didn't really realize until after I was on medication that my anxiety and my depression were going hand in hand um Mm. in retrospect I definitely struggled with some depression off and on in high school and in college and you know right after college but again it wasn't until after my mom died and we were um sort of wrapping up our fertility journey and we were transitioning into adoption and just all sorts of things were happening there. And my anxiety started to get out of control and I was going to therapy and my therapist was like, I think you're struggling with some depression. And I was like, nah, ah, ah, mm, yep. Okay. uh Uh-huh. I sure am. And then once I went on the medication that handles both of them, I was like, and they go hand in hand. Yeah, I think part of it is that a lot of people don't really realize what depression can look like. Mm-hmm. It's It can be different for every person, yeah. but a lot of people think that, you know, to be, you know, like those commercials that they have, depression is not necessarily... The little you know, sad rock. A sad rock sitting in your bed with a blanket. Right. Um, although that's frequently what I do. Right. But that's not what it always is. Right. And so it's harder for people to recognize that. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because my, like my depression can, like you said, I can curl up in bed and zone out in front of Netflix and not want to, and just want to sleep and not want to do anything. But it can also sort of combine with the anxiety and send me into this almost manic state where I am like, I have to clean all the things and I have to just do all the things. And if I can't accomplish all those things, which I never can because I always set a monumental list in front of myself in a ridiculously small amount of time, then I spiral into, oh, I can't get all of this done. This is horrible. The world is ending. So it can really go either way. Yeah, especially I, it gets kind of the same way where I think I have to do everything. I have to do all these things. But then I also immediately veer off into the deep end of, if I can't do all of these things, I will do none of them. <laughs> yes, yes. I totally am like, if I can't accomplish it, if I can't do everything and do it perfectly, I might as well not do anything ever again. I might as well just sit in bed and never get out of bed again. Exactly, exactly. It's a hot mess. Uh, <laughs> for me, I find my anxiety, I find there's a few things that make my anxiety worse. I've, it's always sort of under the surface for me. 
um sort of just waiting to waiting to come out to play but lack of control is huge for me and i feel like that's probably pretty true for a lot of people um but also lack of systems. I function really well when I have systems in place. And when those are not there, it drives me crazy, particularly when it comes to um, work. When I was in school, it was my schoolwork. Now it's my actual work. I When I, I have my folders, I have my spreadsheets, I have my systems in place. And if something happens and if you were to take away my Airtable and all of my Google Drive folders, I would just spiral. <laughs> oh, God, it would be so bad. I'd spiral. Um, and when I'm spiraling and I'm already in a spiral, physical clutter triggers me. So like mental clutter is really bad for me in general. So when I don't have my planner and I don't have my calendar organized and I don't have all of my files in the right folder, like those are things that I use to kind of keep myself under control. And and I can handle physical clutter most of the time, but when I'm spiraling, then all of my physical clutter, all the piles that I've made suddenly drive me completely insane and I can't stand to look at them. And it's like a it's like a switch flips and I go from totally normal to oh my god, I am losing my mind. I have to fix this all and just maybe I should just burn it to the ground. I should probably just burn it to the ground. That's it the end the world is over i think that's really really related to like um the concept of rage cleaning yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> that's pretty much the only time i clean effectively is when i am rage cleaning <laughs> yeah um i mean i feel the same a lot of the time for me it's you know it i i don't want to blame my job or anything like that it's just more that that's where you spend the bulk of your time right and that's you right know, you're, you're spending a lot 40 of- plus hours a week yeah, okay. and you're dealing with a lot of other people. And so for me, it's not necessarily the lack of systems, but when people change things mm-hmm. or, you know, they, they take over something that you've been doing and you can't control what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm sitting there like quietly waiting for something to happen. Um, <laughs> right. And it happened... Uh, Gosh, it was a few months ago when something like that happened and I actually started having a panic attack and you had to help me calm down. It's true. I did. It was um, pretty, I don't get them very often, but it was kind of scary because it was in public and usually when I get them, I'm at home safe in my bedroom yeah. and it's easier to calm down. But when you're in public, um, there's not a whole lot you can do. No, no. <laughs> You can go, like, be the weirdo and, like, lock yourself in the bathroom, but that's a... But not, yeah. Sometimes you can't even do that, so... No, I mean, I had my computer, I had drinks, I couldn't I couldn't escape where I was, and so it was yeah. pretty hard for me. So how do you manage anxiety or panic attacks like that? So I try to set myself up for success with systems and routines. Um, having my planner, I have historically used an Erin Condren planner. I don't know if I'm going to again this year because they changed the hourly layout and I am really in my feelings about it. (laughs) Uh, We can talk about that in another episode. Um, And I, it's interesting because I, I realized probably in the last couple of years that 
the systems and routines that I set up for myself, those are things that I started doing when I was a kid in school. And I didn't actually realize that it was, I was doing it to manage my anxiety and to manage my stress and to keep that at bay. Um, it's just something that I started doing because it, it worked for me. Um, but that was, it was sort of, has always been my coping mechanism, even before I realized that's what it was. Um, therapy has been really good for me. I, so I talk about lack of control, but my husband and I are in the process of adopting via domestic infant adoption. And you basically, um, prior to bringing a baby home, when you're in that waiting period, you have no control and you don't know when anything's going to happen. You could get a call any day about a baby. You don't know, you know, where the baby's going to be born. You don't know anything really. And so therapy has been very good for me in working through that, um, just sort of constant lack of control and trying to (laughs) embrace it and uh, be okay with it as part of my life because I just willingly jumped into something where I don't have any control, which I suppose is parenting in general. I suppose that's just setting me up to be a parent, but you think at least you're going to have like a set due date for that. (laughs) I mean, it's sort of like immersion therapy. I guess so, right? Um, Medication has been life-changing for me. I started taking an anti-anxiety, antidepressant medication uh, about a year and a half ago or so. And that it's a super, I'm on a super low dose. It's all I really need. And it has... I mean, truly, it has changed my life. It, I still feel my feelings. I still have just, I can still feel just enough anxiety to like fuel some productivity in myself. Um, but I'm not, I'm not just totally spiraling like I used to. I don't, I was having these spells where I was like dissociating from my own body because I would get so anxious at certain things. And I'm not having, I haven't had any of that since I started the medication. And it's also helped with my depression. We call it both. They're like my, they're like my uppers and my downers at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) We call them my mama downers. Um, which is what we, we always, my dad was on, uh, anti-anxiety, antidepressant when I was growing up and we called him his daddy downers. Um, so now we call him my mama downers. Um, I also use CBD. I vape my CBD. Megan, you eat the gummies. Yeah. So, um, my parents were smokers for my entire life growing up. And so, I am not down with the vaping. It's mm-hmm. You do you. Yeah. But um, I stick with the gummies and they work pretty well. I do notice, now that I've been taking them for a while, I do notice if I miss a day. Oh, wow. Um, not necessarily in terms of anxiety or anything like that, but um, like falling asleep at night and stuff mm-hmm. is a little bit harder if I haven't taken my pill that, or my gummy that day. Yeah. That's awesome. And we'll link to we'll link to the um, the CBD that each of us uses in the show notes. I also have my weighted blanket that I love. I use uh, it's a gravity blanket, and I sleep with it every night, and it's amazing. I tried your gravity blanket when I was at your house, uh-huh. and I immediately loved it. But I still haven't gotten one. 
Uh, I mostly wonder about the heat. So this summer, I have been using it as like my mostly using it as my only blanket. Like I'm not using like any like sheets or other blankets like that. And I've been fine because I tend to run cold. They do have a a cooling duvet cover thing that you can put on it that's supposed to help with some of that as well. So that's like an extra thing that you could get to switch out during the summer, during the warmer weather. But it's okay for me just because, again, I tend to sleep cold. or So I like having lots of, lots of warm, cozy things on me. For me, I stay asleep better when I'm using my weighted blanket. I... Like, I'll wake up if the cat is yelling at me or if the dog is barking or if Alex pokes me or something. Like, I'll wake up. But my brain is not the thing that is waking me up just to lay awake and stew about things. So that's been the biggest difference that I have noticed using my weighted blanket. Yeah, I think that's pretty similar, actually, to the effects that I found with the gummies. Um, It just helps... Mm-hmm. me not think about all the things I feel I need to think about yeah. when I go to bed. Because as probably most of you know, you seem to do the best thinking when you are oh either trying to go to sleep or take a shower or <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> times when you are, it's not convenient yes. to be thinking. When it's 2 a.m. and you have to be up at 6 and you're like, oh my God, if I can fall asleep right now, I'll get four hours of sleep. I can fall asleep right now. I'll get three hours and 50 minutes of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Megan, what else What else do you do you do to manage your anxiety? Well, so I use planners as well. Um, I've always been like a to-do list kind of girl. And it's really, I, I don't think I could do all the things that I do if I did not have some sort of a planner. Um, it just gets it all out of my head basically, Mm -hmm. and on paper. And so I don't, it helps me feel less pressure to remember all of it. Yeah. Because then I only have to remember where I put everything. Yes, you just have to remember one thing instead of eight or seven. Exactly. Um, The other thing that I do, we um, hadn't really talked about it yet, but I use a budgeting software called You Need a Budget. Yeah, and so... I actually found this really interesting statistic is that um, so 78% of full-time workers in the United States live paycheck to paycheck and 71% of them have some sort of debt, which is a extreme contributing factor of anxiety and depression. So I have kind of managed to avoid, not avoid, but I guess solve this problem by having a budget Um, my husband and I have worked really, really hard to pay off all of our consumer debt. We don't have any debt aside from our house. Um, we possibly will do another podcast about that topic. And if I think that we probably should, because I could learn a lot from you. I am, (laughs) I am admittedly not a great budget keeper. So, yeah. So I, we started out using paper and then we moved to like a Google spreadsheet and now we use this program called you need a budget. And just seeing everything all laid out, where our money's going and where it's going to go and everything has really given me a lot of peace Mm -hmm. and has really um, calmed me down a lot in that area. And if I've just realized right now that I haven't updated the budget in a 
maybe a week because I've been gone and I really need to do and it. And now you're itching you're to do it. You're and like, now I'm itching to do it. I have to do it as soon as I get off. I know. Uh-huh. I don't know where my money is. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I highly, highly recommend that, especially if you don't feel in control of your finances. But even if you do, it's a really, really great product. I tried using mint for a hot minute and I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I didn't have enough control of how it was labeling things and I had to abandon it pretty quickly. So this is, uh, it's similar to mint. Um, I'm actually on the older version where you have to update everything manually. Okay. Which I prefer because like you were saying, things get categorized funny when the program is kind of updated for you. Um, you know, we both use an expense tool for work mm-hmm. and it kind of categorizes certain things very oddly. Mm-hmm. And so I like being able to put it where I want it to go. And you can always add more categories or rename the categories later or hide them if you don't need them anymore. Yeah. And it's been a really great tool. I don't know if you can still get the old version, but um, the new version is more like Mint, but I'm pretty sure overall it's still got it's all the same similar. great functionality. I When we were first starting the adoption process and we were really penny pinching to put money away for that and we were trying to go through the home study and all that stuff I actually that's when I kind of looked into mint and then I ended up building my own spreadsheet with my own wackadoodle categories because we just have you know when you have four animals you have a whole category that's like pet food Um, (laughs) things like that so I ended up making my own spreadsheet and was really good about using that for a number of months and it definitely was nice to just at least have a handle on things but I definitely abandoned it abandoned it once we were in a little bit more stable of a spot I should and I should be I should go back to it because it's a thing I should just do all the time so yeah and even if you are like we're stable right now but it just makes me feel so much better to know exactly where everything is especially because for a while um you know my husband would just be like i want to buy this thing i'd be like "Um, right but we have a bill coming up and so right you know he would be one of those people who was like well there's money now so i can buy it right right and i mean and i even though you know, you can be in a stable spot. It doesn't take much to put you in a not stable spot and or to just have a random expense come up. I chipped a freaking tooth this week and I got to go to the fucking dentist tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to charge me so much money to fix this stupid tooth. So now, you know, it doesn't take much to be like, oh, there goes a few hundred bucks. So that is. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think so. Um, I do not. You aside from the uh, CBD gummies, I do not do medication. I have mm-hmm. like a weird history with prescription medicine, sure. where um, I have been allergic to quite a few of them, and oh, mm-hmm. essentially it's not a good situation. Uh, so I'm glad that you know CBD is now more of a yeah. thing that people can easily get, and it's not a big deal. Absolutely, uh, I do not recommend anyone listening out there to use alcohol no that's not a really no no that's not mm -mm. (laughs) no we both we both have a rule where if we've had a bad day we do not drink alcohol Uh yes it can spiral very quickly um so if you have been reaching for the alcohol please stop yes alcoholism is very serious yes please don't do that don't do that um 
And to circle back to the CBD, if you're not that familiar with CBD and there's all different, um, there's, there's, I, like I said, I vape it. And, and the reason that I vape it is because it hits your system really fast. It's pretty much instantaneous. And so when I have a moment where I'm like, I can like take a hit of it and then I'm like, okay, that's better. Um, and then Megan does the gummies, which are every day. Um, there's also like tinctures so that you would take that daily. Um, there's also various types of CBD, like lotions and things like that, um, that can help. I have read can help with like joint pain and things like that. So there's a lot of research being done on CBD for things beyond anxiety. And there's lots of different um, ways to get it into your system. So definitely do your research, kind of figure out what you feel will work best for you. Um, I also use it when I, because I have endometriosis. And so when I'm having endo pain, I use the CBD then too, sort of in addition to like, um, because like ibuprofen, aspirin doesn't really do anything for me um, in that way. And so, but the CBD helps a little bit with some of that. So definitely something to research. Like I said, we'll we'll link to the stuff that we use, but do your research, kind of figure out what might be the right fit for you as you. Yeah. And I think um, it's kind of funny to be talking about all these products that we use to help us with this. And because one of the articles I was reading when I was researching anxiety was that we're kind of in this like age of anxiety consumerism there's so many products out there now like aside from the cbd and the blankets and uh, meditation apps there's essential oils which you know Mm -hmm. everyone and their sister is hawking these days yes it's just it seems like every time you turn around there's some new product that is made to help you relax Mm -hmm. and help your anxiety and it used to just be like tea yes Go drink some tea. Go drink some tea. Take a bubble bath. (laughs) And it also makes me wonder, not to get super deep into this because we are two white women, but (laughs) it makes me wonder about the racial implications of anxiety and, you know, the diagnoses and people being able to treat it. That is... Interesting. That's an interesting point. I we have some I'm sure that we have some friends that we could probably have on in another episode to kind of talk about some of that. Um, those who are who are not white women. Um, but that's it is a really interesting point and I would be really interested to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, me too. Especially knowing what we know about healthcare in general and just uh, a lot of a lot of the issues that you and I deal with on a daily basis are, um, while they give us anxiety, they're probably very superficial to someone of color Mm -hmm. who's dealing with much worse situations. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, we also, you mentioned super briefly meditation apps. I do, I do use the Calm app, um, when I remember to use it. <laughs> I It's annoying. I actually have a reminder set on my phone and I just end up ignoring it so often because I, that's the one thing I suck at. But I do enjoy it when I do it. And of course, meditation is one of those things that you don't actually, you don't need an app to do. You just, but for those of us who have very loud brains, sometimes I think the kind of guided meditation can help. I also really enjoy yoga. I very much, I don't, 
so much enjoy doing yoga at home because again, my brain is too loud. But when I have the opportunity to go to a yoga class, I really enjoy it because I can listen to the teacher. I can see that I am uh, more flexible than the person next to me. And even though that's not the point and you're not supposed to be paying attention to that and you're not supposed to be competing with the people next to you, I can't help myself. So I enjoy that. I feel that's actually one of the same reasons why I really enjoy going to bar, which is, um, (laughs) you know, slightly similar to yoga in a more painful way. Yes. Um, It's you have to focus so much on what you're doing that you forget everything else that's happening around you. Yes. So that when I don't get to go, um, I do notice a difference if I'm not exercising in some form, especially bar where I – and pro- I, I can't promise that I am not comparing myself to the other people around me. <laughs> but um, if you've ever done bar, it's uh, very difficult because everything is composed of tiny little movements. And so your muscles are always in tension. And you, you can't think about anything else other, other than, than the pain. Than the pain of <laughs> tiny moving up and down an inch. Um <laughs> So exercise is a really great option. I know a lot of people really hate that doctors recommend exercise if you're feeling depressed or anxious, but if you can find something that you really love to do, it really does help. I think so too. I I do notice a difference when I am exercising, but I struggle because I'm super not athletic. I was never an athlete. I am super uncoordinated. I And I really can struggle go, if I go to the gym and I'm going by myself. I It can actually make me more stressed because I feel like I don't know what I'm doing and I'm wandering around and just like doing everything wrong. And I am convinced myself that everyone is staring at me and everyone knows that I don't know what I'm doing. So for me, I have to like work out with a friend who knows what they're doing, um, which interestingly is not my husband who used to be a personal trainer. Um, because no, that's too much. That's too much. That's- your, your spouse should never be your personal trainer. No. Uh, but I have a very, very good friend who is a personal trainer and works at the gym I go to. And so we work out together sometimes or she'll like, t- she'll sort of help me like tell me what to do. And then if I know, if I've been told what to do, then I can go off and be on my own. Um, or I have to go to a class or do like a, a workout at home. Um, that sort of thing helps me more than just like, going to the gym and running on the treadmill. That doesn't really help me. So you have to find what works for you. Absolutely. So I know that we, um, that I feel like just in this conversation, we sort of uncovered a ton of other topics that we can kind of hit in future episodes that are related. Um, We went into this knowing that it was probably just going to be just, like we said, sort of scratching the surface of this topic because it is, it's not only something that's so prevalent in society, but it's really prevalent in both of our lives and is something that takes up an unfortunate amount of our brain space. So... You know, yeah, there's no way we could really cover it in a 30-minute podcast. No, and of course, we'll talk about a lot of things. It's sort of like the, our Enneagram episode where I feel like we had to get this one out of the way kind of early because it helps you guys start to learn about us and we'll sort of 
start talking about other topics that we'll dive much deeper into later. So this is just really sort of an of an intro to how we manage some of the stuff that we go through. But we would love to hear from you guys on social, via email. Um, what do you use to manage your anxiety? How are you managing it? Do you find, you know, any of the things like CBD or weighted blankets or any of that to be helpful? Are there things that you have done that we did not mention or have not tried? I feel like we can all learn from each other and all sort of find some new things. So we'd love to hear from you. Please, please share with us. And, you know, we'll continue to continue to learn and grow in that together. Yeah, do you, I wanted to give one last recommendation and then maybe you have one final recommendation as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things that actually really helps me is hearing from other people who have issues. Yes. And I just discovered this great podcast from American Public Media. It is called Terrible, Thanks for Asking. And <laughs> it covers a wide range of topics, but a lot of them have to do with um, either anxiety or just general disorders that people have. And uh, I just listened to one recently that is about um, a sort of, it's hard to explain, but it's a, it's a food anxiety issue. And that episode is really enlightening. I don't have food issues, mm-hmm. but I could see a lot of the other things that they talked about kind of related to some of the things that I have issues with. So it just kind of makes me feel better to know that there are other people out there struggling with certain things and so I really recommend this podcast and it's also it's American Public Media so it's really well done that's awesome Um, we'll link to that in the show notes Um, and my I guess my final recommendation would be um I feel like it's a it's um related to what you just said but almost feels like the opposite in that I have discovered that Talking about and sharing some of my hard things has been really helpful for me and not just like with my therapist or with my friends, although I think that's definitely true, but I have sort of taken an a more or less open book stance on my blog and my uh, Instagram in particular and my Facebook about a lot of the things that my husband and I have gone through in um, losing my mom to cancer um, when I was 28 and she was 60 and my husband lost his dad a few months later and our infertility journey and the adoption and all of that stuff. And those are really hard topics and they can be hard things to share. But I have received back tenfold um, every time I share something in that I someone will reach out to me privately and say, you know, I have been really struggling with this and, you know, can we talk about it? Or I just am really glad to know that I'm not alone. And I've gotten to know, like, not just people on the internet that I may or may not ever meet in real life, but actual people in my real life who I know that I didn't realize were struggling with some of these things have been super open with me and we've been able to form a deeper relationship because I decided to just be really open and honest and that's not for everyone and I, you know I'm not suggesting to just go air all of your issues on the internet um but if you're wondering if you should share 
most likely you will find that people are much more open and loving than you think that they are and that you will often make connections that you might not have thought that you would make. So if that's something that you've been thinking about, gosh, I don't know if I should share if I, I, other people will benefit from hearing your story. Yeah, I think, I mean, people are essentially like pack animals. You know, we mm-hmm. all want to feel like we are heard and listened to and then we all relate to each other. Yeah. We don't want to feel alone. Absolutely. Um, even when you are feeling alone or if you feel you don't want to talk to anybody, um, we all just kind of want to be accepted. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do feel like the internet is a lovely place for that because when you do feel like you want to be alone, you can be alone, but then you can also still like be connected to people on Instagram or and build like real friendships. I have real friendships mm-hmm. with people I've met on Instagram that... I, again, like maybe I'll meet them in person, maybe I won't, but I feel like they're real people that I can message and be like, this thing happened and I'm really struggling with it and I feel like they're really there for me. So you can be by yourself without being completely isolated and alone. Yeah, exactly. It's just a lot easier, I think, on the internet to open up and um, speak your truth, as it were, uh, because you can walk away when you need to. Yeah. For sure. And sometimes walking away when you need to is all you can really ask for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For real. For real. So thanks for joining us as we kind of dove into what can be a hard topic and there's a whole lot to unpack. And like I said, we'll unpack even more probably in the coming coming weeks and months. Um, but next week, we're going to lighten things up a little bit. We are going to have our first special guest and we're going to be talking about all things skincare. So we're going to go from, you know, sort of mental self-care to some physical self-care and those things really can tie together. So be sure to join us here next week. Be sure to follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast, and drop us a line through email. We love hearing from all of our listeners. See you next week. Bye. Bye.